Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower, and revive and heal. Through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt, and restored, equipped and empowered, and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. Hallelujah, everybody. God bless you. Welcome back to another exciting episode of uh, Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we've been really uh, diving into some amazing uh, topics, some amazing amazing subjects lately. But for a moment, I want us to take a look at, you know, what's going on in the nations right now. Uh, We've got, you got Russia, you know, on the border of Ukraine on three different three different sides, uh, mounting what looks to be a potential invasion. You've got uh, Vladimir Putin, who has just acknowledged the, you know, these two new Russian states or these two new additions to the statehood of Russia, and then also has stationed troops there. And so, you know, we need to understand the signs of the times that we're living in. And the Bible says very clearly that in the last days, the it'll be like the days of Lot and the days of Noah, okay? The days of Lot, what were the days of Lot characterized by? You, you would understand that, uh, you know, Lot, obviously, he looked towards Sodom, he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then he was pretty, pretty soon he was living in the gates of Sodom, and we know that Sodom and Gomorrah were known for rampant sexual immorality, but it wasn't just that, it was also really the sin of it was the pride, the pride of Sodom, the pride of Gomorrah, right? And so, we we think about how does that compare to uh, these days, and we know that there is not just rampant sexual immorality in our culture, but there is also the pride of it. You know, it's my body, my choice. I'll do what I want to do. It's my sexuality, my choice, all these different things. And there's even parades uh, where people march around with a flag with six colors of the rainbow, not seven. The pride flag, or so it's called, is missing the color indigo, missing the color indigo. And so again, the days of Lot speaks of sexual immorality running rampant, speaks of the creation deciding what it, it can do and doesn't need the creator anymore. And you know the, the, the whole sin of pride, which was really the downfall of Lucifer as well, you know, that there was pride that crept in, iniquity was found in him because instead of, you know, wanting to be the covering cherub and wanting to do all the things that he was designed to do, to lead the worship in heaven and to watch over, you know, Eden and all these different responsibilities he had. Instead, he lifted up and was lifted up in pride. He corrupted his beauty. And the Bible says he corrupted his wisdom. He corrupted his splendor. And as a result, great was the fall. Great was the fall. And so, Anytime that we are lifting ourselves up in pride at all, when you see a lot of people doing that and you see there being marches and parades about it, understand very clearly that that signifies the days of Lot. 
Well, that's exactly what the days of Lot was. And then you have also the last days will be like the days of Lot and the days of Noah. What were the days of Noah? The days of Noah were Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, he was you know he was completely pure in his generation, uh, which means he was you know unadulterated. He was pure for the Lord. He was a righteous man, and God revealed Himself to him, and uh, and he was mocked for it. He was uh, ridiculed. He was beaten down. And uh, the, but in addition to that. The whole idea of judgment is coming, get on the ark, uh, would be thought ridiculous, right? There are so many people, you know, people get preached these days, it seems more like a me gospel than anything else uh, in a lot of places in, you know, what we call the body of Christ, the church at large, you know, the global church, whatever you want to call it, um, and everyone has their own expression in their in their home church of the, bo- the greater body of Christ, but a lot of times we have what we are called the me gospel, which is a false gospel, which is everything about me, 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 right? What, you know, Jesus is preached like it's like he's your buddy and, you know, he's, he's just going to make everything better in your life and he's going to give you a car, he's going to give you a boat, he's going to give you a plane, he's going to make all your dreams come true and all you need to do is just accept this buddy. That's not the gospel, the gospel is that there's first bad news before there's good news, beloved. And the bad news is that we're completely lost. We're completely in bondage to sin and a slave to sin, a slave to Satan. Uh, we are completely left to, to, up to our own volition, evil. The Bible says there's not one uh, there's not one righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And really what it comes down to is we are absolutely bent on evil. We are absolutely bent on pleasing ourselves. We are completely selfish. We are completely uh, unable to come to Christ on our own. And that's why the Bible says that His Spirit draws us, that we are drawn. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. The Bible says that God's kindness, His goodness leads us to repentance. And then one day when people say things like, I found Jesus, you didn't find Jesus. Basically what happened was you yielded to the Holy Spirit wooing you the whole time. The Lord was, the Lord was wooing you. He was after you the whole time. There just comes that time in your life where you're basically like, well, I'm in ruin. I have a terrible life. This is terrible news. And and you start to feel the conviction of your sin. And then you turn because you know that there's a God who loves you. And Jesus paid the price for your sins. You're overwhelmed by the love of God. You're overwhelmed that he could love you because of all the bad things you've done. And realize that you need salvation. You need him. You, You cannot pay uh, your sin debt in full, and then live in eternity in heaven. Only one individual could do that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we know that we're living in the last days, because these things are going on now. You got all kind of different things going on regarding uh, what would seemingly be the days of Noah. You've got all this genetic manipulation going on. You've got, you know, testing uh, of genomes and uh, combination of genomes and all this different stuff you know, talking about not just the no, lacking the purity of genetics, that's where we're at right now, but also when whenever righteousness is preached and how rare that seems to be in the church these days, people balk at it. They scoff at it. They mock it. Some people say, oh, Jesus has come already. 
the book of Revelation is, you know, oh, you know, you're interpreting that wrong or whatever, when the Bible clearly says people are going to do that. They're going to say, oh, you know, this happened already and, you know, Jesus came and you know, we're warned about that in scripture. We're warned about false Christs coming. We're, we're warned about a lot of antichrists. Antichrist means that not necessarily against Christ, but in the place of someone who tries to take the place of Christ. And then by taking the place of Christ or being trying to be in the place of Christ, they're against Christ. That's what that word antichrist means in the original language. Now, so it's interesting, right? Because we have all these different situations playing out. We've, for so long, it's been kind of calm, maybe a little skirmish here and there. I think it was, what, 2014 when uh, when Russia took uh, Crimea, uh, took the, that, that uh, land bridge, if you will. And I believe that was done strategically because now what you have is uh, you've got a perfect, uh, one of the areas, a perfect land bridge to, you know, begin to try to siege Ukraine. And we know that, uh, you know, Russia or that or the area of Russia is uh, found greatly in biblical prophecy. Uh, many believe that it's going to be an Arab coalition of nations that Russia leads uh, from the north that comes down against Israel. And that's the war of Gog and Magog out of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. And uh, we haven't experienced that yet. We haven't seen that yet. Doesn't look like we're there quite yet, but it is always interesting when these different players that are in scripture or that are described in scripture are on the scene. And so we know, we know one thing though. We know that Jesus said, when you start to see these things happen, when you start seeing nation rise against nation and you know, really, uh, in the Greek, the word, it's people against people, nation against nation. It's ethnos, ethnos and basilica, basilica. So, basically, it's a kingdom against kingdom, and it's people against people, nations against nations. And it's just very interesting because that's exactly what we see going on. We see nations rising up against nation. We see even people against people. We see different cultures fighting, uh, you know, different people groups, uh, different people crying out for, or even even you've got a community, uh, the LGBT, LGBT community, who has rallied around a sin of sexual immorality and demanded that they be acknowledged as a people demand rights, demand equality with every other, you know, race and creed and religion and all this other stuff. Like in other words, they're crying out for rights because they all are, have a sin in common. I mean, we're just living in crazy times, but we're to be encouraged because the Bible says, again, when we see these things happen, understand that the redemption, your redemption draws nigh and that these are what's called the birth pangs or the times of sorrow. And again, the Bible speaks of the earth is travailing like a pregnant woman because of all the sin that's in it. And so it's very important that we understand more than ever Isaiah 60. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 that, you know, arise and shine for your light is coming. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For there shall be darkness and gross darkness that would cover the people. And I'm paraphrasing, but the Lord says that I've called you to rise and shine and the brightness, the glory, the rising, the glory of the Lord is going to be upon the people of God. Okay. And that kings will come to the brightness of the rising. Sons and daughters who are far off are going to come, you know, all these different dignitaries and all these different individuals and, and, and groups of people are going to see what? They're going to see the glory upon God's people. They're going to see his glory upon his people. 
Now, his people are Israel, but there are also spiritual Israel, spiritual Jews, which is the church. And so, you know, whether there is, you know, the the natural uh, seed who is going to arise and shine, that's absolutely part of it. But God is also calling for the spiritual Jews, the church to arise and shine for such a time as this. Because if we don't arise and shine, beloved, who will? Who will? You know, we have the answer for people's dilemma, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I remember years ago uh, where when I first started uh, ministering, when I first started preaching, there, there was such a hunger and such a desire, especially among young people, you know, for, for the Lord. And I remember being in youth group, and I remember being in, you know, working with young adults and ministering, leading worship uh, at different places and things like that. And I remember the such a purity. There was such a purity. It didn't even matter how many instruments were playing. There was sometimes we would just sing along to CDs, whatever the case was. But the bottom line is that there was a hunger. There was young people that were willing to come out on a Friday night instead of doing whatever else they were going to do because they wanted to meet with God. They wanted to join together. And there was nothing more important to, to them than that. I remember years ago that there would be Sunday evening services. There are hardly any churches, at least around our region, that have Sunday evening services. For, by and large, people have learned to kind of punch the clock. Okay, well, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to do this. We're going to go on a Sunday morning. Okay, this should be about an hour long. And, uh, you know, don't interrupt my lunch because I've got a plan for this time. And, and that's really, unfortunately, what a lot of the church has turned into over the years. But the, the amazing thing is I see uh, the tide turning. I see, again, this hunger, this desire. I think one of the things that COVID-19 has done is it's, reveal, it's revealed what, what needs to change in the church. It's revealed that no matter how many programs and no matter how many flashing lights and fog machines and all these different things that you have, and I'm not saying necessarily there's anything wrong with ambient lighting or, you know, some colored lighting or things of that nature, you know, for for presentation or for atmosphere, but I think that a lot of emphasis was be giving to those things. And, you know, when when this pandemic hit, uh, all the these massive budgets for all these things, none of that stuff mattered anymore. None of it mattered because the only thing that mattered was how do we encourage the people of God? How do we, you know, make sure that there is a healthy church? How do we uh, find strategies to reach out to people, whether they're able to come to service or they're at home or they're sick or whatever the case may be? Uh, How are we going to be the church? How are we going to be the church? Because there's a lot of people, beloved, these days who they want to go to church, but the reality of it is that no matter what building you're in, a church is not the building, it's the people. It's, it's those who have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. That is the ecclesia. And we talked about last podcast, you know, does your church have essential characteristics out of Acts chapter 19? In other words, that Jesus Christ, that he, you know, said, I, I, it's good that I go to the Father because then I can send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He will lead you and guide you in all truth. But understand that when the church then began to you know, be led by the Spirit of God from that point forward, the church of Acts, as many call it, 
that Jesus uh, is coming back for at least the church of Acts. In other words, the ones that turn the world upside down. And my question is, what does he find these days when he's looking around and he's seeing, you know, uh, the representation or the expression of what still should be his church, right? Is he seeing on fire believers? Is he seeing people like the Moravians? Again, we're from the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania area, and we know the Moravian heritage well. The Moravians were on fire for God. The Moravians came over here, uh, you know, from a different nation, and they settled over here. Some of them settled over here, and they founded Bethlehem. They founded Emmaus. They founded Nazareth. They they founded all these different areas around here, but they themselves were helped to launch what we know now as the modern day missions movement, and many of them actually sold themselves into slavery, so that the gospel could be preached among those who were slaves, those who had never or may never have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And so, they literally would hold funeral services uh, before they left on these, on these uh, journeys. They would hold funeral services with their family because they knew they weren't coming home. They literally had a casket. They held a funeral service. And as they were leaving and their family was crying and saying, you know, I, I don't understand why the sacrifice has to be this great, why you have to go, why God's called you to do this, or why you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to do this. They were heard yelling the words that the Lamb would receive the full reward of his suffering. That the Lamb of God, that Jesus Christ, would receive the full reward of his suffering. And and what is that, beloved? Souls. Souls. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believe in him would not perish, but would receive everlasting life. It's all about souls. It's about Father God loved the world so much that he sent his Son to pay the ransom for many so that there would be a great harvest of souls and also so that God could have or or could uh, reconstitute the family, okay? God had the family with Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, but then there was fellowship that was broken. And then obviously the Bible says that Jesus is the last Adam. He came just not to give us salvation and healing and freedom and deliverance, all those amazing things. But he also came to restore, to bring atonement or at one minute with the broken relationship that we had with Father God because of sin. Okay? Sin got us kicked out of the garden. Adam and Eve's sin got them kicked out of the garden, violating God's word, all all these different things. And it was the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that came to restore that relationship. So when Christ uh, gave us salvation, it was there was a a bigger package than that. He was dying not just to uh, pay our sin debt in full and fulfill the Father's will for His life and obedient to be obedient to death even upon a cross, but also to restore relationship, to restore the priesthood, to restore the kingship that man had either forgotten about or really had basically just dropped, dropped, uh, and just started to decline into uh, lasciviousness in the book of Genesis after they were kicked out of the garden. And that's what we see. You know, we see the degradation of, of mankind until at one point it said, you know, that 
man realized their name was Enos or Enosh, which means weak or feeble or mortal. And then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's actually the first time many scholars believe that prayer was mentioned in scripture. In the book of Genesis, the first few chapters of Genesis, it said, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Some people cried out and cursed God. Oh, God did this and God did this to us. But some cried out and, and were really wanting that relationship, yearning again. The Hebrew word is quara. It means to cry out. It means to cr- cry out as one cries out for a loved one. There was this cry that was inside of man. And then we know obviously then that Jesus came and he restored, he restored that relationship. He restored that fellowship. He restored the understanding that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that from the beginning that we are royalty in God's kingdom. Hallelujah. And so I I believe that the Lord's just really drawing us, Holy Spirit's really drawing us into plain talk concerning the church today. I think there's a lot of people, you know, that say a lot of things about the church. Uh, I think sometimes it's just good to have a conversation about the church. Where do you feel like the church is at? You know, there are great things that the church is doing right now. And there are some things that that aren't so great that the church is doing right now. I, I'd love to hear, you know, what your opinion is on some of those things. Uh, you know, if you want to reach out to us, um, our email is mgarity at riverofheaven.org. You could also, you know, contact us at our website, riverofheaven.org. Uh, and then there's a contact us uh, button there. Uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing, if you'd like to support more talks like this, if you'd like to support uh, more conversations about the about the church and how we can improve things in the body of Christ and how, how we can uh, strengthen one another, uh, Every church needs a friendship or every expression, I should say, of the, the greater body of Christ needs friendship. We need to work together, work together in regions, work together in states, work together across our nation and in the nations. Why? Because Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. He's not coming back for different denominations. He's not coming back for, for uh, local churches. He's coming back for his bride made up of many different uh, expressions of local assemblies that people have called churches or temples or whatever they want to call them. But really, it's again, the people, it's the bride, it's it's the the lamb's wife. It's Jesus's wife. He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. And there's a lot of talk these days about the bride of Christ and uh, the, the church and making herself ready to receive her bridegroom. And I, I completely agree with that. I think that there is a bridal glory upon the church. There is a remnant. And going back to the Moravians, you know, have we strayed? Have we began to term Christianity uh, radical because we uh, attend church faithfully or we give in the offering or, uh, you know, we worship God or we have a prayer life? Is that what radical Christianity is being termed today? Because back in the time of the Moravians, radical Christianity was I, was selling yourself into slavery so that people could hear the word of God. So that people, they knew that those folks who were in slavery likely would never hear the gospel. So they sold themselves into slavery. That's radical Christianity, ladies and gentlemen. Radical Christianity is the martyrs. It's being martyred uh, for the gospel. You know, it's, it's taking 
a great risk and traveling to foreign lands to, like the Apostle Paul said, to, to in, in order to not build on another man's foundation. You know, there's a lot of great churches. People plant great churches here in the United States and in Europe and other places. But oftentimes, if we look at statistics, really what it shows is that the majority of church growth that happens is church-to-church growth. And what I mean by that is people see a new church that's planted, people are at a bigger church, or they find their way over to this new church. And that, by and large, statistically, if we look over the last 10 years, most of church growth has come as a result of transfer growth. Not going somewhere where the gospel's never been preached uh, and really understanding what it means to not build on another man's foundation. The Apostle Paul, uh, in his letters to the churches, more than one time, he emphasized how important it was to win new converts, okay? To win new converts to the Lord, not uh, people who are part of another expression of the body of Christ. Uh, they weren't moving from Thessalonica uh, to Corinth and back and forth. That wasn't how the early church grew. It grew because converts or people were being converted. The gospel was being preached in synagogues and Jews were converting. The gospel was being preached to Gentiles and Gentiles were converting. And beloved, I believe that the Lord is really re causing us to rediscover and, and bringing awakening and bringing revival in a way, uh, lighting these revival fires and these fires of awakening, not just to invite people uh, to, to come to a service that are part of another church, a bigger church, a different, but literally to go out to the highways and byways and preach the word of God, show people the love of God and demonstrate to them the gospel that Jesus does heal, that yes, Jesus uh, within us as Christians heals people. There's demons that are cast out of people. There's new tongues that we speak in. Again, going back to the last podcast we did. Is, but are these things that the local expression of, your, of the body of Christ in your area, is this what it looks like? Do people speak in tongues? Do, do people uh, cast out demons? Do people... Is there a desire? Is there a hunger? Is there a bold preaching? Is there talking about sin? Is there is there talking about winning souls? Is there is there talking about evangelism? A lot of times, you know, people will kind of curtail church services to be more palatable for unbelievers. To how can we make this more cool looking for other people to come in and for people not to feel so convicted when they come in here and all this stuff. That, but that's not really, none of that is the is the model of the true church uh, in the Gospels. None of that is the model of the Church of Acts, uh, beloved. It's It was never to let's make things more comfortable with uh, with people who don't have a covenant with God. It, it was always that the church would be this entity that because it stood separate, because it was it was incorruptible, or that was the idea that was supposed to be incorruptible, it could then bring transformation to the culture around it, to the world around it. And again, I ask you, is that really what we're doing today? Is that what we're doing today? Is, is, that, is that what church is all about? Is that what the ecclesia looks like in 2022? I pray that we would learn to get back to the basics and not just the basics, but get back to scripture regarding the church. 
Acts chapter 19, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 is one of the areas that speaks about the Great Commission. Acts chapter 19 speaks about what I call the the different characteristics of the holy, glorious apostolic church. Beloved, we really need to not care so much about, okay, how many people are going to come to our service or how many, how much money are people going to give and how popular is our church in the region. What we must be concerned with more than ever before is, are we preaching a true gospel message? Are we preaching repent and believe in Jesus Christ? Are we talking about sin? Are we telling people that you're not, not everyone's guaranteed to go to heaven and Jesus isn't going to just take everyone when he comes back? There must be faith. There must be repenting and believing in Christ. Are, are, we, are we truly preaching righteousness because we are in the days of Noah? Are we truly standing against uh, the things of homosexuality and abortion and all these uh, taboo things that sometimes people in the church don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole because it's unpopular? And, and there's a lot of people that thinks that the church needs to reimagine things or rediscover things. I got news for you. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. We don't need to emerge. We don't need to discover any new things about culture at all. The Word of God is still applicable. The principles of Scripture, the Word of God, it shall remain forever. It doesn't matter how uh, how depraved society gets. It doesn't matter how much people think things should change or the Bible's mean. Listen, the Bible is the absolutely inspired Word of God. It is the breath of God brought into words. Hallelujah. And so, I want to encourage you, if you're a ministry leader, if you're a pastor, if you're part of the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, I want to encourage you, apostle, or pastor, or prophet, or evangelist, or teacher, be a biblical-based church. Have a biblical-based ministry. Don't be afraid to speak in tongues. Don't be afraid to lay hands on the sick. Don't be afraid to prophesy. Don't be afraid to to do all the things that it lists in Acts chapter 19. And if you're wondering what those what those characteristics were to see if your church should look that way, take a look at the, the last podcast entitled, Does Your Church Have Ascent- These Essential Characteristics? Okay, episode 14. And so thanks for listening. Again, I call this plain talk about the church. If you have any questions, if you have comments, again, send us an email at mgarity at riveroftheaven.com. .org. And you can also visit us at our website, that is www.riveroftheaven.org. And so God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May He lift up His countenance upon you, and may He give you His peace. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.